Are you sad that Halloween is canceled? Angry that you don't get to celebrate like the years past? Scared that this year won't be any fun? Well, boys and ghouls, turn that pumpkin frown upside down. Creepy Kingdom is bringing Halloween to you. Prepare yourself for the most spooktacular social distanced event ever. Creepy Kingdom's Halloween at Home. The celebration kicks off on August 30th with a live-streamed event showcasing some of the tricks and or treats we have in store. Our celebration concludes with a live-streamed party on Halloween night. We will be bringing you two dark months of ghoulishly good times. Follow Creepy Kingdom on social media to make sure you don't miss out on any of the spooky fun. You're listening to the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network, covering and creating all things creepy. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content, patreon.com slash creepykingdom. Now it is time to open the crypt. Creepy Kingdom proudly presents the Creepy Kingdom Movie Crypt. Alrighty, welcome to the Creepy Kingdom Movie Crypt, Creepy Kingdom's podcast all about the creepiness of films. I am your host, Mr. James H. Carter II. And I am joined on this very special episode of the movie Crypt by Tanisha. Hey. And making her Creepy Kingdom podcast debut, Michelle Halloween. Hello, boils and ghouls. And this is a special episode because if you're hearing this, that means that what has just transpired is that we just were live during Midsummer Screams, there in spirit event, we had a panel called Horror is the New Black, where we discussed the upcoming f- f- productions, because not all films, but Lovecraft Country series, Annabellum, and of course, the brand new Candyman. And as we teased, if you saw that, and if you didn't see it, <laughs> uh, we had a lot more to say about all that stuff. So I said, hey, let's, let's bring it back to our airwaves, our digital airwaves, and let's chat it up. So while we're not going to repeat <laughs> exactly what was said, and I, at, at, at this point, I don't know if the live stream is archived or if you saw it once and that was it. I don't know. But just in case you're unfamiliar, Lovecraft Country... It's based on a book, and of course, I don't know. I even know how do you even pitch Lovecraft Country? Uh, like, how do you describe it to someone in like in one sentence? Oh yeah, I was saying Michelle's got this. She's, right. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. How do you describe so, it? <laughs> let me help you out there, James, with this story. Um, the biggest. Two sentences. Well, I'll bring up. I'll bring up. <laughs> what? You're controlling my my senses again. I said I, I just want a brief summary of what it's about. We'll go deep okay. dive later. <laughs> I'm ready to just dive into it, man. I'm ready to just go. I know you are. Uh, but, uh, okay, so <laughs> little what premise it's about a gentleman. The protagonist's name is Atticus Turner. He, uh, it's set in 1954 fresh still in but freshly out of jim crow era all that sad Aren't terrible still segregation in, i feel like we're still in jim crow era I, mean, I still feel like we're unofficially it may not be yeah on a document somewhere but we're definitely still living that life and so it's really interesting because i will give you no punches are king anymore guys <laughs> so nope. The way that, again, this is just my, my synopsis of the, the film and, the, well, the book, is Atticus Turner goes on this journey. It's kind of, in, in my perspective, like an Indiana Jones type of adventure, except it's in Jim Crow era, and there's obstacle after obstacle that he has to face just to find his father, find his purpose in this particular part of the country that's, again, it's all supernatural. Um, I don't want to give too much away because with me, I really want people to actually read the book and then watch the series or vice versa. I'll watch the series and read the book, but there is a lot of Lovecraftian, um, elements to it. Uh, there is some supernatural stuff, some nods to Lovecraft's work, which I, again, we'll get into that in a moment, but it's about a family, a particular family, a particular group of folks with Atticus at the helm. Uh, basically fulfilling his birthright, his legacy, and it's all good, positive stuff. It's full of empowerment. Uh, Atticus is a, a bad person, like a good way, in a good way, not bad ass, <laughs> but in a good way. Like, he's sick, bro, you know? So, yes, I know. Anyway, he bad, really he bad. Fun, it's, yeah, it's a really fun, spooky, and definitely scary adventure, but it also uses real life horror. Um, but I can't wait to tell you like the whole punchline, the whole revelation that I had about the book. But okay. continue. You, you go right. ahead on the rest. All right. Well, there's that, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, then we got Antebellum, um, which f- don't know too much about this besides the trailer. I don't think it's based on a literary work. Uh, but uh, the trailer, as discussed in the Midsummer Scream live stream, was like really like they punched me in the gut because it was just – it just it's this it shows this uh, successful black woman just living a fun, fulfilling, carefree life, and through some weird, creepy, wacky stuff, she gets brought back to the time of slavery, which is just like wow. I mean, just to think like we all just want to just have a, a fun, carefree, happy, successful life, <laughs> and to think that could just be snatched away from you. Was, uh, I'm also I'm curious. I know you said it's I, you don't think it's based on a book, but mm-hmm. I um, I, I was talking. I, I made that up. I have no oh, idea. I I've had a I I've I have a book that is very similar in premise. I don't know and, uh, until I watch Antebellum if it's based on the book, loosely based, if they're even connected at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a book called Kindred, which is this. Sim- it's a similar concept. So like a. a young black woman in modern day living her life. And then she sort of weirdly gets like sucked back and forth through time to like slavery era and back to her modern life. But when she comes back, like she's returning with the scars and the experiences from slavery. Wow. 
Um, so I'm it sounds curi- pretty I'm similar. Curious. I don't know. It sounds right? pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I was know. thinking that. Maybe there's some lawsuits going on. I'm, gonna, gonna, I'm, I'm definitely looking that up there's, right now. Maybe I there's some law. There's probably, it might be some lawsuits we can't talk about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds the, the premise when I watched the trailer, it, it, it reminded me of this book. And so I'm just curious to know if, if I mean, they could totally be like same concept, but like completely separate stories, right? That could be possible. So, yeah. well, um, well, it's tough, but, tough yeah. to check out. But either way, uh, definitely intrigued by that movie starring the uncompromising, the incomparable Janelle Monae. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. I mean, you know, everyone I know I get biased with this, but everyone's like, you know, Beyonce is the queen, you know, of everything. I was told, you know, I was asked this question like, well, you know, I was like, what is it about Beyonce? Yeah, she could sing and she could dance. That's awesome. And the argument that I was, you know, faced with was, and I don't think I could answer at the time because this was many years ago, was she's all we have you know she's a powerful black strong woman who can do both and she uses her voice for um and her talents for art and activism um putting jay-z in his place whatever but you know i I think that i look at janelle and i'm like man not to compare the two because there's room for all of us but janelle has something like she has something about her where it's just her look her eyes her Mm -hmm. voice her acting skills, she she's got something. Right. Like, I, mean, I mean, you brought up Beyonce. I'll just say this. Um, generally speaking, I wouldn't say that acting is where Beyonce dominates. Um, although I thought oh, she no. was, I thought she was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought she was. It was a really heart wrenching performance in uh, Awesome Powers and the Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Oscar worthy performance. Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> I think that was our first movie. No, no, no. No, Dreamgirls, no. wasn't it? Or... I don't know. We're not going to get. I think Dreamgirls was after. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to take a deep dive beyond here. I was going to say <laughs> that there is a movie that she is pretty decent in, which is called Cadillac Records, which she plays Etta James. Mm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. But, anyways, back to Janelle Monet. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen anything that she's been in, to be perfectly honest. I just think it's like she's just like a presence. Hidden no. figures? Yeah, you didn't I, see hidden figures. I didn't see hidden figures, no. Uh, you have some How to dare you? How dare you? I know you got homework to do now. <laughs> Not a big space guy. Um, <laughs> it's actually really good. It's I'm sure it's great. I want to watch movie. it anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, uh, uh, Shannon from Nightmare's Conjuring's edited Janelle Monae for what was that show, Shannon? Yes, the show you edited, that you interviewed Janelle Monae. Oh, um, homecoming. homecoming. So she inter- she interviewed her, and I edited the video. So I watched the raw video of this interview, and she's just like she's just so awesome, <laughs> like she's just so warm and kind. And what was that? Shannon said she was enamored, and this is through uh, oh. video chat too. It wasn't even in person. Uh, just uh, just a, there's not a lot of people I think are a presence. <laughs> and That's awesome. I could tell that she was a presence. She was great uh, just in that alone. But just anything, any other place that I've seen her do her thing, just like she's got something special. And and I actually think after watching this trailer, which just looks absolutely phenomenal, I brought up before that in the in the Midsummer Scream uh, stream that it had a great look, but everything about it just seemed like top-notch quality. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a breakout role for her. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I really do. 
because this is like her just from the trailer like it was like this is her time to shine right like this is like <laughs> like she owns every frame that she's on screen so the premise the look of the film her in the lead you know i'm i'm all in on this one and then we got candy man which is a Candyman, 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 on the wall. A, a, uh, it's a sequel uh, by the same name to confuse everyone. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people are really confused, but I, I will say that it's it's from a marketing standpoint, it is more powerful to have it just called Candyman than Candyman Two. <laughs> Guess who's back? Wasn't there a Candyman Two? Wasn't there actually a Candyman Two? Oh, there was. Yeah, I think there's a three. Yeah. Too. Oh, so instead, of Candy, oh, instead of Candyman Four. <laughs> 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 that that's got a bad stigma to it. <laughs> uh, so since you're our resident expert here, Michelle, how do you explain the new Candyman movie? Um, actually, it's the one movie of 2020 I was really looking forward to. Like, really, really looking forward to. Um, and I I cannot stand remakes or sequels half the time. But this it's not a remake. It's, it's a not a remake. It's a it's a sequel. It's a whole, what is it? A it's sequel. a continuation. It's a continuation. Yeah. I don't want to call it a sequel. I usually can't stand this stuff, but this one I'm like, oh hell yes, oh yeah, I'm I'm all in for it. Um, I think what I'm enjoying so far about it, it's creepy. Look, the first trailer I saw for Candyman was the paper one. I think it was the paper one oh, that I saw first. Did you see so that? Good. So yes. creepy, and I'm like, look yeah. at all this artsy fartsy stuff. I love it so much. Oh, it's got. It oh, really it's really creepy. It's, I gotta say, the the trailer definitely is is super art house, right? And, uh, un- unapologetically artsy, right? <laughs> and and what I loved about it is, it you could just see even from the beginning of the trailer to the end of the trailer, his descent and um, his uh, you could see the descent of I forget his his name. I'm sorry, I should have wrote it down. The the protagonist, the main character. I don't. You could just see the decline in his. Character. In his psyche, like you could tell that yeah. he's being truly affected by it. So, I mean, as a fan of the originals, I'm obviously terrified. I mean, Tony Todd, man, that was some scary stuff back in 1992. Um, it's his voice. So I, I'm hoping and I, I have a really good feeling about this one. Um, it's yeah. going to be scary. Yeah, it's it's a, going to be terrifying. It's undetermined. Uh, I mean, we're assuming Tony Todd's not in it, <laughs> but there has been no reveal of Candyman that I'm aware of. <laughs> I feel like his voice is in it at least because you can even hear because i i've gone over it a few times because i have a tony todd story but um again it's just that don't we all (laughs) i don't have a tony todd you need to get yourself a tony todd story he is he is a gentleman (laughs) one day one day i will have a tony todd story just you wait he's a fine gent and you know I'm not going to say what I really want to say, but it was just, <laughs> even in his own presence, the man terrifies me just with his voice and his, yeah. his stature. He has and just an even, iconic voice. Yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to dissect to see, you know, in the trailer, you hear him say, um, I'm the writing on the wall. I can't remember what he said in the trailer, but because I was sitting here analyzing, is that his voice? Is that him? So he has to make some kind of cameo, whether it's his voice or... You know, just a shadow, like you know, James Jude Courtney, or not James Jude Courtney, the other guy, Nick Castle in um, the Halloween. You know, where it was just him and the shadow, and that was it. Mm. You know, mm. so I'm hoping he makes some kind of appearance because it wouldn't be right if he didn't. To be honest with you, right? Or he'll be, um, it'll be like a cliche cameo where he's like running a local pharmacy or something. He's a you know, <laughs> <of him>. like, <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so 
I have a feeling he'll be in it because he is Candyman. He is the character. He is. So clearly, obviously, from what I gather from the trailer, is he? We're not going to ever see Candyman like come to fruition, like manifest. It's it's just a ghost, you know, this thing that envelops this poor this poor man. So we'll see. <laughs> so, do you know something, James? No, I don't know. Do you no, know I don't something? know. I don't know. Uh, you know something. I'm just, what, I know. What would I know? <laughs> yeah, dude, I know everything. I know everything that's going on. Uh, no. So um, one thing that I've definitely wanted to talk about during our live stream where we didn't have a chance to, and I think that this is a great time to just rip that band-aid off there. Um, so what do you think the timing of the release of these films and television series are going to – what kind of impact is that going to have on the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement? I think timing is everything with this. Um, we didn't get to it before in the Midsummer Scream uh, panel, but we were discussing Get Out. And I'm looking at the time frame when that came out. It was perfect timing. Everything's aligning for, for a purpose. Um, we had COVID delay all three of these uh, films in the series, Lovecraft Country. And I'm looking at the timing going, is this not a, is this not a better, could there be a better time for this to come out? Because right now we have so many human beings that my thing is, I want to see a lot of non-people of color come in to, and watch these films and gain a perspective they didn't have before. We're too afraid to ask, like, let's say one of us. Um, because despite the fact that it is pure entertainment, it is fiction, um, all of these are fictional, there is still that element of true life horror in them. So looking at the timing of all of these coming out, it seems like they're all back-to-back. -back. Am, I, am I wrong on that? They're all back-to-back. -back. Oh, Candyman keeps getting pushed back. I don't even know what the latest... Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. It was October, October, I thought. Yeah. Um, but I'll have to look again. But I think the timing is, per is, is absolutely perfect. Um, and I, I hate the timing, but I also appreciate the timing because I think it'll, get um, it'll be well-received. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in Hollywood right now, too, and I think they're trying to, you know, there's a lot of backlash going on with uh, the entertainment industry being non-inclusive, and I think that they're appreciating the time, too. You know, executive producers and those who are releasing the films are appreciating the time, <laughs> which kind of sucks, but I'm calling you guys out on that because it's true. You're good. They're going to use it as, hey, look, we can bring people to watch uh, the films and then say, hey... Hello, look, we're um. No, I mean it's it's we're, all we're it's, appreciating blackness. It's all about know, money, so. and, and the reason yeah. that's kind of what it, I, you know I guess it's kind of getting at is that <laughs> if they don't think people are going to go see the movies, they're not going to put it out. They're not putting out movies, mainstream movies. They're not putting a wide releasing films for uh, mm -hmm. posterity. <laughs> you know, they, they think people True, are going right. Well, and I mean they obviously when they when they film these movies and they were in production and pre production, I'm sure they didn't. Obviously, they couldn't. Right. forecast of course not. The, yeah. mo the movement the swell in the movement that's happened um you know the black lives matter movement has been going on for years but like i think because we're in this time that everybody's home and can sit and and be a captive audience and actually pay attention to what's happening that it sort of gained this momentum in the movement um so while i'm sure their intentions in initially weren't like oh we got to capitalize on this but you know from a business standpoint they're like people are really interested in this now people right. are wanting to learn and talk and and open to this dialogue you know let's throw right. some content out there you know and people will bite mm -hmm. all, another thing that's interesting um is going back to get out um I believe it was the top of 16 when that was released um 
yeah, like January 2016, something like that. Yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, um, I, re- I remember listening to a, I can't remember what podcast it was, but it was a, it was a, a podcast that interviewed screenwriters, and there uh, it was. So it was an interview with Jordan Pill about Get Out, and he was saying when he wrote Get Out, it was you know before Trump was elected, and he wrote it because he felt that too many people were complacent. Because they didn't think they thought everything was okay, <laughs> and, right? And he You're right. A, he yeah. wrote it as a wake up call. <laughs> uh, that's what he said, and, and then it would just happen to be released the first month that that Trump was in office. <laughs> so I, you know, back I think I and I we brought up and keep saying I know we're going to keep referencing the live stream, but <laughs> it's the beginning of our conversation. Um, uh, you know, to, to get out lead to this, you know, I, I think absolutely, <laughs> you know, like. Um, and we made these the powers that be say, oh, people will spend money on these kind of movies. Okay, you know, I went to see, I went to go see Get Out in the theater um, with regular mm-hmm. folks, not just at a press screening <laughs> as I was see most movies, and uh, it was jam packed, and it was mostly white people because <laughs> I live in an area mostly white people. But uh, so it was, it wasn't just that this is a movie for black audience. This was clearly something that was just crossing over and just affecting people all over the board. Uh, at least something was drawing them to at least show up early on. And uh, I think this what is going to carry on. That's what, really what? interesting that you bring that. It was mostly white folks. What was the, what, what did you get? I'm really curious. What did, what kind of uh, vibe did you get from the audience afterwards? Um, I can't say I was able to assess any particular vibe. <laughs> No, as I, I'm you've got to really work on your intuition. No, I'm not really James. like when I, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not really when I go to the movies back once upon a time <laughs> with the regular people. That's even further once upon a time. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely not trying to involve myself in any conversations or any interactions with anyone else. <laughs> I try to make sure there's a seat away from me. That's one thing I've loved about the social distancing uh, world is. That I need a, a, a perimeter <laughs> around me at all times, and social distancing has definitely helped for that. But, anyways, I have no idea. But I just the idea. I live in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, it's definitely a predominantly white area. It is an area that uh, lots of what's the word I can use? Trumpians. Not many of the Trumpians. Um, people with uh, their own view of reality. <laughs> like to come so to, like to come to my town and protest um <laughs> like uh things like um you know stupid things whatever anyways um <laughs> so but i i and i've i've heard horror stories from other people other people of color that live in this area um in the years past um, no, but I enjoy living in Huntington Beach. I never have any run-ins with anyone that makes my life uncomfortable because of the color of my skin. So that's my personal experience. Um, but all that being said, um, I wouldn't really say that this is a real progressive area. You know, I just wanted to live near Disneyland, guys. I mean, this is... <laughs> Okay. Is that all you can? I'm not asking for much, man. You know, and so and I want to live near the beach too, but <laughs> so that's why this is what this is why I live where I live. But and 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 like I said, I, I do enjoy living here very much. It is it's quite a privileged, pleasant lifestyle that I leave here in Huntington Beach. But all that being said, um, I thought it was pretty enlightening that it was packed. <laughs> It was in the biggest theater in the movie theater near my house. I'd always know which one has the, you know, where the big blockbusters are. 
So the, obviously there was a demand for it. And like I said, it was mostly white people in there. So that was, that was enlightening, you know, cause it seemed to me that get out was going to, I thought it was gonna be a film that was like marketed towards black people and that it would just kind of be that this little film. I didn't think that it would be like a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Because- I, I was, imp- I was impressed and I, I would feel the same way. Um, I just, it's really interesting because when I saw it, I saw it later, you know, later on, right before it left theaters, I feel like. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, because my husband's white, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to love this. <laughs> he's going to love this. You're thinking that you're not going to trick any tea around him? Is that, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was a little bit scared. No, I'm just kidding. More, more of other reasons, but um, not because of him. But I remember when he saw it, I just, I remember his reaction was, because he saw it when we were at home. He's not into horror movies, believe it or not. It's really strange that I'm married to a man who's not, like, in love with horror movies the way I am. He's gotten better. But he did watch it, and I remember he just, he didn't have a lot to say. Like, he, he was, like, I think he was, like, confounded at the, the realizing how uncomfortable and the things that, you know, white folks, albeit their best intentions, the things that they say are absolutely harmful, derogatory, offensive, and just plain wrong. And he's looking at, you know, the cat, the cast, especially the white folks, I was expecting a different reaction, but he was like, man, to the effect of like, white people really suck sometimes. Like, like, you know, and it was it was just a better reaction that I was. I, it was a good reaction. I was hoping for the re- the reaction that he was gonna. I was ready for an argument, but he he surprised say, me. I mean, if it went another you know? way, that would be some uncomfortable. Uh, that would have been life. uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. But he really was into it. Now I couldn't get him to watch us because he was like he saw the preview, he saw the the trailer of us, and he saw the family standing at the edge of the driveway. He's like, nope, I'm out. That's scary. I'm good. That's too creepy. I'm not watching that. So, I mean, so. the thing about us, I mean, there's there's a racial element to it, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's that it's not strong. A, uh, you know, nah. I think it's just creepy. You know, and, yeah, uh, horribly creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get him to watch it, but. Oh, well. I don't know. Um, I don't know, but Get Out definitely did. It, it came at the right moment. And I feel like, again, I'm a person who looks at timing of things and the alignment of stars and moons and planets. And I think it's mm. it's, an, it's a good time for these to come out. Um, right. And we're starving for entertainment, are we not? Like, we're starving for some new content, new movies. So I don't know. I'm, I'm good with vlogs. So, but um... <laughs> <laughs> I watch so many vlogs every day. <laughs> sure. I gotta get into that. Yeah, movies. Are, yeah, no, there's endless content. You just, I'm sure whatever you're into, there's people vlogging about it. Probably. <laughs> YouTube is uh, endless entertainment. Right. Um, <laughs> so, anywho, um, what else did we hit during this? Um, let's go to Lovecraft Country. Let's talk about Lovecraft Country. So, yes. this. Um, Tanisha and I just started reading the book. The HBO series is launching um, in a few weeks. Michelle has read the entire book and is rereading it. So that's that's a little bit of our frame of reference. And I just started I, – originally I didn't want to read the book first. I'm actually more of a watch the movie first and then read the book second kind of guy. I, I know Tanisha's the opposite. <laughs> As our resident bookworm. 
<laughs> and as our Harry Potter conversations too have gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, that, this is how Tisha knows that with me because I watched the movies <laughs> first. Um, <laughs> in most cases, it's fine. In Harry Potter, clearly there's like a whole like. 50% of the There's a hierarchy. Gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the movies from the books. You're missing so much good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So much good stuff. I told my kids the same thing. I'm all read the damn books. You guys are missing everything. <laughs> yeah. But Seriously. most of the time it's fine. I prefer consuming my fiction through the art of film. When it comes to book, I most books I mostly read nonfiction. But that being said, I wanted to have a little context of discussing Lovecraft Country for our panel. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, let me dive into the book a little bit, even though I know the, the, the series is going there just to get, just to kind of understand this, this, this bizarre thing. And so my takeaway is that I've watched the trailer several times. It looks absolutely incredible. Just even like, I'm like, even the story sucks, this trailer, (laughs) like it's produced by JJ Abrams. And I'm like, wow, we got a JJ Abrams level special effects and monsters in a civil rights story. <laughs> epic. I'm like, yeah, it's totally epic. epic. I don't throw that word around, but I was just like, epic. I was like this, just this trailer. I'm like, this looks absolutely incredible. They could all just talk like Charlie Brown's parents the whole time. And I'll just be <laughs> amazed by the visuals. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite films I, I mean i don't know if it's my i maybe in my top 100 not my top 50 but one of my favorite films that i thought was totally underrated that i loved was uh jj abrams super eight i thought that oh, one just like a good film, really huh? spoke to me i feel like it was made for me and people of my generation and and it's just a love letter to 80s like action horror where kids are going on adventures and it, I, I don't know if people like it or not i just know that it bombs so people disregard it as a good movie <laughs> But I, I think so. I, I I see a lot of of that in the Lovecraft Country trailer. So all that being said, I'm going into reading the book like, all right, we're gonna get some super aid monsters. I'd say I'm pretty deep into this book, and I haven't encountered any monsters that are supernatural that look like they're from Super Eight. But what I did encounter <laughs> was countless interactions of our main character <laughs> being infiltrated by the police <laughs> yep. that immediately just not only sucked me into the story, but just completely enraged me like in ways that I can't even compare. I can't even think of like other things that I've watched that are even about civil rights or anything that, that have gotten to me. And it left me really thinking about like, why is this hitting me so hard? And I'm like, and I realize it's because, you know, I'm going into the Lovecraft country with my guard down. Like, if I'm going to watch some, like, heavy movie about civil rights, like, I'm expecting <laughs> – I got my guard up, you know? Like, I'm expecting yeah. to see the ugliness of humanity played out <laughs> in the film. But when I'm watching some sci-fi horror thing, you know, I, I don't have my guard up for that kind of stuff. And I think mixing – these two things at, at, at such a at such a high level of quality is going to be s- just super impactful it's i think or an influential and i think it's really going to hit a lot of people like really hard you know i, I um, um I've, I've i've stated on uh things i've written about on creepy king's website i haven't really got too deep on the podcast but i've had my own personal run-ins with racist police officers 
where I feared for my life and the only crime I committed was driving in a neighborhood that that police officer didn't think I should be in. <laughs> and I mean, essentially, and, and the whole thing, and, and with that, I had a loaded weapon drawn on me. And every time that th- this, <laughs> the main character gets pulled over in this story, it brings me right back to that moment. You know, <laughs> and it, again, that's obviously not everyone's experience, but, and, and, and various thing, various, uh, uh, horrible acts happen each time. It's not like every time it happens, it's, it's the same thing. It goes from like minor inconvenience to like absolute horror. And I guess that's part of the, the intensity and horror element of it is like not knowing, like really not knowing what's going to happen here. So I, all that being said, I am just, I can't wait to dive into this series and wait till the supernatural element really uh, shows itself. Uh, but there's one, and I'll just stop talking about it. I'll let you guys take the floor of your country. But the other element of it, since we're not reviewing the film, we're just the series because we haven't watched it yet. And we just got in the book. Uh, or I just got in the book. Um, one thing that kind of struck me is that it's pretty clear. And a lot of people know that HP Lovecraft, um, was racist, <laughs> sexist, and not really great in that area of his life. But it's interesting that his works have been so influential. And and what I found uh, listening to this, uh, reading this, the book, sorry, <laughs> so many different mediums here, <laughs> is the main character is he loves science fiction, even though it's a Jim Crow era. And, you know, he should be fearing for his life and worrying about, <laughs> you know, the horrors of the world. He, he has an escape in science fiction. It's science fiction that is written by white people because there's no black science fiction writers published. So I think that's something that the three of us can relate to in some ways is that our interests are being made by you know or, or come from white culture a lot of our personal interests and some mm-hmm. people and in, in our in our families and our in our in our in the black community will say you know that's not appropriate or you shouldn't be supporting that or or you're trying to be white because of this and i and i and i love seeing this play out even in this story because the main character's father who is also uh <coughs> loves uh you know literature is trying to steer him away from all of this science fiction work, you know, written by white people, but he finds, you know, he, he it's, it's what he's into. And then he has this conversation with his uncle. Um, I don't know. There's just too many going on. There's flashbacks. I'll jump it all around, but there's a point <laughs> where he says, um, where his father was, deter- was determined to, sh- to show him how horrible the person H.P. Lovecraft was. <laughs> And then I think I believe his uncle tells him that, you know, he's like, books are like people, you know, they're, you can love them, but they're not without their flaws. <laughs> and I, and I really took that away from like the whole, the, the big argument that's going on these days, uh, which is um, separating the art from the artist. And uh, <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on one end, there's the argument that, supporting the artist supports their their behavior or their attitudes or their agendas or whatever 
But I'm of the uh, opinion that once art is created and released out into the world and somebody else takes it into their heart and their minds and their consciousness, it belongs to them. And it's not, and it's that version of the art. Like it's all arts being interpreted differently from everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and Tanisha has been dealing with this uh, battle pretty hardcore recently as our, our, our resident uh, Potterhead <laughs> with the recent uh, rants of JK Rowling. And, Rant essays, and, oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> uh, which is that's been challenging as well, and I and I I love that this story tackles that, and I, I think that that's kind of universal. It's not just a a, a black experience, but uh, it just taps into that. That I mean, you know, th- these stories, these people, whatever they're they're they could you could love something about them, but they can also be flawed. <laughs> All that being mm-hmm. said, I think with all of these films, I keep calling that ones films, whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> projects. <laughs> projects for the for a long, first time in a long time is that we, we meaning people of color, don't have to watch these projects and wait for something to be flawed. We don't have to wait for the black person to be the first one to be killed <laughs> in yeah. the horror movie. You know, uh, we don't have to wait for the, the black best friend trope. <laughs> You know the one that's like just there, just to help. That lives for helping the uh, the white main character. We actually just get to drop our guards in that manner and just be entertained. <laughs> right. And I, I think that that to me is one of the biggest gifts here. So I've ranted a long time here. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Let me just take my AirPods off. You you did it all, James. I did it all. I you sorry. did it all. I did it all. Well, I know you had some things to say, uh, Michelle, about Lovecraft Country as you, you've you read the entire book. <laughs> so. Well, here's the question I have for you, too. Um, again, Lovecraft Country, I, I, I absolutely – great, great story. Um, I love the references. I mean, there's Lovecraft references throughout the whole story, and – you know, what you'll get coming out of it as you move along through the book, um, you're going to question whether or not the things that happen to Atticus and, you know, the rest of the characters, um, you know, his uncle, his dad, Montrose, and everyone else is everything that's happened to them. Um, because, you know, it's all intertwined stories. There's different stories that are all intertwined mm-hmm. with the same characters and different perspectives. Um, what are they manif- is their fear manifesting this stuff? Is it a supernatural power that, you know, Atticus has? So as I'm reading through, I remember when I first went through it, um, I didn't pay attention to, you know, the author or anything. Um, I was just like, Oh, look, you mentioned Ray Bradbury, who's one of my favorite, you know, authors that I'm inspired by. And the Lovecraft references throughout that you just have to kind of like, if you know Lovecraft material, you'll pick it out right away. Cause sometimes it's just, you know, yeah. you know, there's just a word or a reference and you're like, Hey, I know where that came from. Um, so the thing is, you know, as great, I, I honestly think the series is going to be awesome because, um, first of all, you, like you mentioned JJ Abrams. Uh, but secondly, HBO has, a really good way, except for season eight of Game of Thrones and True Blood. Uh, there's my true. beef. Um, yeah, beef true. And true Blood. They have wow, a really excellent it. way of adapting <laughs> book to film, you know, or to a series. And they put their own twists on it, and it always works well, except for some reason the last seasons of everything just is weird and doesn't work. 
Um, there's no book. Everyone's they checked out. There's, there's no book. <laughs> 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 well, was, there a book the, was there a last book published at the end of True Blood? I feel like there was. Oh, I don't. But yeah, there might I, have I, been I True Blood. I just have Game of Thrones. But it's just really interesting that, you know, one of the things that no one's brought up yet is that the author of Lovecraft Country is a white gent. Yeah, I, and, I, I looked that up as I was going to do this, and I'm like, wow, this really feels like the black experience i'm like right this, i'm like this name doesn't sound very uh black it sounds like let's do a little google here yeah, <laughs> and, so you know i would love to pick his brain i haven't watched any interviews or anything with him on where did he get you know where did he get such profound you know experiences from from even, you know, the names of the characters to the experiences of the characters, it all feels so real. Maybe he's biracial. We don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, don't know. Don't... <laughs> yeah, it's just really interesting because I want to know, like, how did you get all this perspective? I'm not knocking him for it. I'm actually, you know, very intrigued by yeah, I wanted, how well. Yeah, I, wanted to, I wanted to finish the story of the book before I dug deeper on it. I just, because I didn't want. I want. I wanted to have a complete understanding of this story, which is pretty convoluted. <laughs> before I dig a deep dive on the person that wrote it. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm passing no judgments, yeah, but yeah. I just, I just, it's, it's always interesting to me, especially when I look at it more and more now. Um, you know, and I, of course, reading the the book a few times, I don't see Matt Ruff as a person that's like trying to capitalize off of you know, the black experience or anything like that. I need to read, you know, his other works, but it's just where, did we, we discussed this um, during the panel the other day on uh, Tuesday, the 28th, uh, with, just for, for uh, that I discussed. I was like, yeah, you got it. Listeners yeah, know uh, with <laughs> Midsummer Scream, um, I was invited to be on a panel with Midsummer Scream called Black Halloween, and we had uh, Willie May and Sky LaFontaine on there. Um, Sky is a scare actor and she's been all over Southern California in the haunt Part of industry and she's a cosplayer and Willie Mae is a producer of a bunch of different um, you know uh, themed entertainment productions here in Southern California and all over the place like Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare uh, so really experienced folks but Sky brought up something the other day that was intriguing to me because I'm a very naive person I'm like oh well you know they're trying they're doing well they're trying to you know be more understanding but she said there's a fine line that we have to um, accept, even as people of color, is when you have a white artist, author, creator, and they take the black experience and they put it out there. Um, it's a matter of why. Are we going to be that token? Are we going to be, is this going to be Matt Ruff's big, uh, was that what he's going to be known for? And then you're going to get the backlash from the community. Like, what does he know about this experience well that's a nice part about fiction um is you can make it however you want it's you know it's his work of art and i, I thought it was brilliant and could you imagine if lovecraft was a ghost in peril roaming around planet earth right now and he's finding out well, yeah, that his works are going to be you know to me i'm like <laughs> well, yeah I'll, 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 I'll take that topic there that was something that we wanted to talk yeah. about during our, our live stream which is that um arguably I think I think this series is going to be huge. I just I have that like that like sh- that like Stranger Things feeling. Like when Stranger Things first came out, I had this feeling. I was like, it's like this is not just gonna. This is not some random Netflix show that's gonna disappear in a month. Nope. <laughs> you know, and, and I and I get I I just I get the feeling about that. I I think HBO is gonna 
market it, back it. And all that being oh, yeah. said, I think that this is going to be a lot of people's introduction to Lovecraft in the mm-hmm. mainstream. <laughs> You know, and and that's very interesting, <laughs> right? It's going to be very weird. It's like and... it's it's so. And again, I, I I don't know what that means because I haven't I haven't finished the book. I haven't watched the series. I don't know how what how it's going to play out. You said you know, as you said, sometimes series could deviate from the book. Who knows? <laughs> but, we'll see in a few weeks. We will see how that all plays out. But it is very interesting. Uh, but. You know, uh, you know, people of color growing up in the United States of America that like weird, underground horror, <laughs> creepy stuff. We don't have the luxury of of uh, having the the people that created them look like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. You know, even if sometimes those people come out and say things or do things that are a little disappointing, uh, it doesn't change how those things affected us. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I, I stand on that side of the argument. I know, I know, it's a it's a loaded argument. I understand the other side of it, but that's that's where I fall. It sounds like you guys aren't challenging me on that, but <laughs> if you were, no. that'd be a real lively. Uh, I, I would be challenging, but I totally agree. I I agree. Yeah, and and that's what we love about entertainment and things like you know like this. Instead of you know watching the news and watching this stuff unfold real life we're going to get a different perspective and a different, you know, in the form of entertainment and, you know, works of fiction. Um, I'm excited for the conversations. It's going to spark. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I, 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 I don't know, who knows, but I think Lovecraft country is going to have some crossover appeal. Um, the, the, when you watch the trailer, um, I, it's funny. I was assessing. It. I was like, you watch the trailer and you're like, you could tell it's going to be spooky and creepy. And I know just I'm like, uh oh, it's black people in the fifties. Like clearly there's gonna be some racist crap in this. <laughs> That's just a given. I mean, but I had no clue like how heavy handed it was going to be. I thought it was gonna be like kind of glossed over. I didn't realize it was the driving force of the film or the the series. Um yeah. so I think a lot I think it's gonna lure a lot of people in that aren't gonna be expecting that type of content as well. And just because, and either they're gonna they're gonna stick with it or they're gonna jump ship. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's gonna do what Watchmen did. I don't know if you all watched the Watchmen series on HBO, but I, that was another one. Yeah, that was uh, that that was like you were saying, James, where you were kind you went in disarmed and yeah. like not prepared for what you were gonna get. And you know, I, uh, I I had heard a lot of buzz about Watchmen, but I hadn't like looked into what exactly you know like what people were talking about i was like i kind of want to go in spoiler free yeah uh and i binged it recently and like right like i'm just thinking like oh it's watchmen dc comic books going in whatever and literally like we start with the tulsa massacre and i'm like whoa (laughs) i wasn't ready for this um and and the whole series just like incorporates so much of like the history of like black oppression and violence and everything. And, and I feel like this is going to be HBO did that so well that yeah. I'm excited to see what they do with Lovecraft country. I think it's going to be that same sort of like punch in the gut, like well done in this sort of fantasy right. way. Um, so I'm really excited. Yeah. I, I haven't watched Watchmen yet. Uh, the series, uh, but you, I, I didn't, I didn't even click it. That's exactly the same thing I was just saying that, Obviously, 
Watchmen was a film. It's been a comic book. It's it's been a thing that people are aware of. But you say there's a Watchmen series without even knowing anything about it. You probably you're going into it with a pretty strong expectation of what you're going to see. You know, even just based on the film. And you know, the Tulsa riots is not one of those things. I didn't expect it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would. I don't really like the Watchmen movie. I think. There's some elements of it that are cool, uh, but I think that it's like as a storytelling mechanism, like they didn't really nail it. It was more of like just I haven't met any person that has not read the comics that didn't love the movie. Any person I know loves the movie has read the comics. I'm like, oh, because you know the whole story <laughs> because this story makes no sense. All that being said, I didn't really get the feeling of like that 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 movie was going to take on racial equality at any point. <laughs> In fact, I thought there would be points of it that I would be totally racist, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, it, it could have been even if it was just social commentary. But still, I I, I was very surprised. It's, it's a it's a bait and switch here. <laughs> I guess by luring people it's, to watch. It's something. really smart. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, it's amazing. You know, I. I uh, so yeah, I did, I, uh, kudos for pointing that out about uh, Watchmen there, Tanisha. I didn't even think about that because I yeah, I was say HBO kind of they hit, hit a home run before, so I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with Lovecraft. I'm yeah. excited, yeah, and, same. And, and I think I, I think uh, you know Jordan Peele being involved with the series <laughs> is the stamp of approval um, that uh, from the that even though it was not written by a black person. <laughs> I think at this point, if, if Monkey Paw and Jordan Peele got involved in something that was uh, exploiting black people, that'd be a real bad PR move. That'd be really weird. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> nice way to put that, James. I like that. <laughs> well, I have a way with words. Um, <laughs> um, so they say. Anywho... Um, well, I mean, I, I think we've I think we've really nailed the, the core of everything that we wanted to discuss here, or at least I think so. Is there anything about these projects that you two want to say before we wrap this up? Well, all I can say is Black Lives Matter. All Black Lives Matter. That's right. Keep creating out there. Don't be afraid. Because everything that you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And that is it's a special message that I want all the up-and-coming people of color that are into the entertainment industry, writers, artists, people who make earrings. Whatever it is that you're doing, just keep doing it. Now's your time. And we're watching. We're paying attention and rooting for you. So, I got sentimental. Well, I was yeah. you're getting a little choked up over there. Uh, <laughs> sure. It is. I, we're, we're living in a really exciting time. You know, like, I feel like, you know, uh, you both sort of touched on the fact that, like, you know, I've been a fan of horror. I've been a fan of fantasy and growing up everything that was available for my consumption, uh, you know, was what created by white creators and therefore, you know, and no fault to them, their art reflected their life and their experience and who they were. Um, so, you know, there's that struggle of like loving, living in certain worlds and loving, uh, certain types of content, but like not being able to see yourself in it. And I think uh, now that we're sort of in this time that more diverse 
stories are being told, more diverse creators are coming to the forefront in so many ways, so many genres, everything from superhero, you know, superhero films to horror to you name it. Um, it's just really exciting. I'm really excited. And to think that there's going to be, there's a, a young Tanisha right now out there that is going to grow up in this world and not know any different. They're going to just have access to stories that they see themselves in. Um, Are you trying to tell us that you have a daughter? No. No. No, no. I do not have any illegitimate children. That you're not raising? Wow. I just pop them out and give them away. Somebody take them. (laughs) Well, James, to make it more clear for you, do you remember when we had our conversation about African goth history X? You, we were saying how like kids have it made these days because they can just go on a um, uh, they could just wow, what a what an interesting squirrel moment. How kids these days have it so easy because they can just go on a, on a computer and record music. They have no idea what it was like for us to do that, you know, to oh, make yeah. music back, you know, in our youth. And then so what Tanisha was saying is like, hey, you know, there's probably a young Tanisha out there. Who's not going to know, or even or she's not going to even know or understand how hard that we even had to work, you know, just to get, you know, a chance or some exposure. It's going to be, I, I want this future to happen for that young Tanisha where she can just go in and go, hello. And she's not judged by the color of her skin. She's not hired for a show or anything because of the color of her skin. It's just because who she is. Um, Man, we're, it's we're really powerful, advocating for young Tanisha you know? here. <laughs> <laughs> she's out there know. somewhere she's out there somewhere but she's, yeah she's, she's hopefully she's like there there are young people like a young tanisha or a young james or a young michelle out there who can now grow up already seeing themselves represented in yeah. these genres and in these realms they don't have to like Oh, it'd be nice to see somebody who looks like me, but you know, oh well, I'll just make do with yeah. what I can get. Like they're gonna grow up and be like, oh no, like Black Panther and you know Lovecraft Country, and you know they're gonna just sort of right. see yeah, I think, themselves I think, already. And I think what's important, and if anyone is, is got this far into this podcast and is hate listening to this, <laughs> um, uh, it's important is that. W- uh, we're talking about equality here. We're not talking about taking over or exactly. changing someone else or, or changing the, dyna- you know, no more stories from white people. I mean, whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter who it's made by as long as anyone that has something to say has a platform to do it. I think that's the really driving home message here. <laughs> yeah. Put that in the caption as the description for the podcast. <laughs> I yes. No, I want I want all the people to hate listen so we get far into it. Um, that would be so rad. <laughs> like, oh, some a bunch of all eyes matter people are just going in on this. <laughs> like, you know what? If they want to hate listen, it's still a listen. Yeah, we'll I know. Take it. I'll definitely exactly. take it. We'll I'm, take really, it. I, I'm sure we're gonna get some all eyes matter people that are watching the midsummer stream live stream uh, come at us. Uh, you know what? My only response whenever somebody's like all lives matter, I'm like, oh, so you agree with me that black lives matter? Right, I mean, we're, well, that, we're alive. We're like, oh, well, no, I meant besides yours because that's the subtext. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you're gonna catch yourself in that little did, pigeonhole. Did, didn't see your ostrich. <laughs> <Sorry>. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
what I mean to say is my life matters. <laughs> Yours doesn't. I mean, that's that's what I that's what you hear. When you, that's what anybody hears when everybody says all lives matter. So we know. I mean, if you can push them into a corner where they admit it, yeah. that's that's, uh, that's my what, only goal. That's, that's, listen, yeah. good. You can be. My whole thing is you can be racist. I would rather know than you try to hide it and me not know. I'd rather know where you stand. Oh, yeah, no. so you, and, and to yeah. that end, I want people <laughs> to stand behind their actions and not uh, tiptoe around it. If that's how you Maybe feel, bro. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another soapbox. But one thing that, <laughs> I, as we wrap this up, I, I still think representation is super important, uh, and and it, it's that's the perspective that I think non people of color don't realize because they have it; <laughs> they're fully represented. <laughs> but the, the impact of representation is is so strong. I think about something my dad used to tell me. Uh, uh, when he was a kid watching TV is that anytime there would be a black person on television, there would like, it's almost like they sound an alarm in the house. <laughs> they, my dad would, he probably wouldn't want me saying this, about that. but he said they, they would all yell and go colored. There's a colored on the TV colored. <laughs> and I just, and I just, I think about that. And also my dad, and to this day, still does. My dad grew up loving westerns. He was all about westerns and riding Mine horses. Too. And uh, even he even got to ride horses with uh, with old Ronald Reagan. That's another story. Um, my dad's a retired Secret Service agent. Oh, okay, okay. that makes that makes more sense. It was, not, like, it was not, uh, not a social call, but uh, <laughs> randomly riding horses with Reagan. <laughs> he's he's ridden horses many times with uh, uh as for on the protection detail. But um, anyways, just thinking about going from that to my experience watching TV growing up in the eighties, where um, the black people outside of the Cosby Show uh, were the best friend of the main characters on the TV. Right? And I was stoked. <laughs> Silver Spoons yeah. was it? Reggie lived next door. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know then and then and then they dropped different strokes and Webster on us and we're like, okay, we got wow. adopted by rich yeah, white people. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then the take what you said, Tanisha, it's like young people of color today they don't even have to watch crap like that. You know, they're literally right? just they have they have one of your favorite shows, uh, Michelle Blackish to look at. And that's just like a normal oh. show, you know? Oh, it's such a oh! I love that show you know, so much, and all the spinoffs. Oh, oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to open that up, but I was just saying, like that's just like as far as I know, that's just a show that's just accepted as just a regular TV show, not like a black show, or <laughs> it's not like a it, right. You know, it's it's not, a family. It's a progressive family show. That's right, you know right. where it's geared. It's not uh, so. you know like the old block of UPN shows that I loved uh, right. that that uh, what's her name was on that came from uh, <laughs> which were great shows but clearly those are marketed towards black people but I'm saying with blackish and stuff like that you know it's just it's just there's just another show it's another TGIF show I don't know if it comes on Friday nights right. or not but do you get my point it's like everyone <laughs> we can exist in the mainstream yeah. like right. we can be mainstream right. too we're not right. this like cliche little like, oh, if you want this content, you go over there, right. you know, like black people are part of America. We're part of the culture. We are and we can be in the mainstream. We can be in mainstream television shows and books and everything. 
We can and we are. So here we're, we're doing it. And we are all over creepy stuff. <laughs> That's why we're talking. That's why it's not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we're creepy we could be creepy too so creepy <laughs> just to bring it back home like i said this is about everyone having an opportunity to put out their art to tell their stories to make their music to write their books to make their earrings whatever <laughs> uh and overall i think the the horror community as it were is pretty inclusive, particularly in Southern California. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a it's a reason. One of the many reasons I live in Southern California, and one is is that this is a multicultural scene here. Like there's, yep. you know, everyone's invited to the party. You know, I was always you know bad apples and in instances, but as a, as a whole, I don't really see racism tolerated in the in this community. <laughs> I don't nope. <laughs> and I and I think a big part of that too is uh in SoCal is that there's such a huge part of that community is the Hispanic community. <laughs> because where we are in Southern California in the United States of America used to be Mexico. <laughs> Hello, in case you all didn't know. <laughs> so the roots of the Mexican culture were here before anything. <laughs> In Southern California, specifically, <laughs> and you could see it play out. And that's not an experience I have much to say. It's not my experience, but I, 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 am, I am aware enough to know, know that this <laughs> this threat this lives on, and um, and the Hispanic community is loves horror. <laughs> They're deep in the horror game. <laughs> it's true, and so. And we extend that, this inclusive welcomeness from Southern California into all of the creepy kingdom across the United States and the world. And that's all I have to say. So, <laughs> so profound. So profound. So moving. Random right. Standing ovation. Right, right. Well, I will say this is, uh, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you two so much. The past Always. <laughs> As we I know for a our panel, two-day-long podcast, <laughs> and then doing the panel, <laughs> and then doing this podcast. <laughs> um, I love you guys. <laughs> the love is uh, all on this side of the table, <laughs> the virtual table. <laughs> How far for you, James? No, that was that was a <laughs> I know. No, no, How I was uh, only because I got to hold my iPad up. Sorry. Oh no, no, I, I was I was trying to do the, my my favorite quote from uh, Office Space. Oh, please, where, by all means. No, that's what I was referencing when he was. Oh, I didn't even know that was a reference from that. Yeah, yeah that's why. That's why I said <laughs> he's like all the loves on this side of the table. I forget exactly how the quote goes. Anyways, <laughs> we're talking about Michael Bolton, and and the two recruiters are big Michael Bolton, the the musician fans, and they said, "Oh, this is going to be cut." All right, so <laughs> good. No, no, I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. We're hitting the hour mark. This is a little off the cuff episode. We kind of drop off the deep end a few times. Not the typical movie crypt episode by any means, but we just wanted, we had an hour's more to say than what was on our midsummer stream, uh, platform. So I was like, 
we have our own airwaves. Let's 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 take it to the creepy yeah. kingdom <laughs> airwaves. I'm, that's what I'm saying. So uh, I thought it was great. Thanks thanks for this tonight because we needed it. We needed to have this, you know, discussion. It needed to last longer. It needed to happen. So, and as always, thank you for having me and including me on this and actually getting to speak to you, Tanisha. Has been amazing the last few I days. Know. I know. Finally. <laughs> I know. Michelle and I are both like creepy kingdom contributors, but like in this weird world, like all of our interactions have, have only ever been like through in a group message chat. Right. <laughs> so this is the first time Michelle and I have actually gotten to work directly together and Love see it. each other's faces and converse. So it's been amazing. So awesome. Because James usually just takes everything over, you know, as yeah, far he, as the so words James, in my mouth. Just so everybody knows, James prohibits us from communicating with I each tried, other. I tried and my hardest. He, he makes it so all of our communications have to be through him if I want to talk to anyone else. Yeah, yeah you so. need a James filter. <laughs> all right, so Michelle. Um, we're in Creepy Kingdom. Uh, you know, this is your first podcast, but what, let's talk about what you guys do in Creepy Kingdom. Uh, where can we find you in Creepy Kingdom? What kind of content are you cranking out? Uh, wait, as far as Creepy Kingdom or individually? Well, I was talking about Creepy Kingdom. We all know that oh. you're, you're a multimedia mogul in your own right. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't even know what I do. Um, <laughs> what I have coming up, uh, well, not coming up, but I do, I've done some movie reviews. Uh, when things were happening and we were able to go to events, um, you could find me covering, uh, you know, for social media, all of our social media coverage when I was at, you know, one of the more obscure events or even at the larger ones. Um, one of the most notable was uh, James making me interview the Grinch during Grinch. <laughs> Yeah, I got you. On, um, I got you on TV with that one. You did, and it's funny because people actually saw it and they approached me. I was like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> we got news coverage over that." And I got I mocked it. by I got mocked by a newscaster. It's all yeah, over story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I do. I like to. I love doing the writing for the films, and I do. Um, you know, when there's an event, virtual or not virtual, I like to. I'm the one that's you know kind of covering it through social media. So. Hello. <laughs> Say hi to Michelle. She's out there. <laughs> Barry. She's I'm out. Pluto. <laughs> Tanisha, uh, you're spinning a lot of plates here at Creepy Kingdom. A few. Uh, so, I mean, my... Huh? I was going to tell you. I was going to tell me what you did, but please. Oh well, I I don't even know what I do. You tell you tell me what do I what do I do? Well, I was going to say you are the. Content coordinator. Yeah. Is that the title we're going with? I know we were. James didn't like that title, and I was like, I don't know what else to say. Um, She's literally posting material on our websites and social media, so we don't know what title. Poster obviously just sounds like a poster on the wall, so we're not really quite sure what the title is. But she helps the magic of getting this the 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 content out there that we create. Yes. Yes. And then, in addition to that, uh, which I've had a hiatus from with COVID and Harry Potter dramas and whatnot, but I I plan to make a triumphant return. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have the uh, creepy 
book club, which I'm now super interested in doing a creepy book club deep dive podcast on Lovecraft Country uh, once I finish that book. So I might have to reach out to Michelle on that one. And then uh, the other podcast uh, is the Wicked Wizardry podcast, which is covering all things Harry Potter and maybe even further into the realms of witchcraft and wizardry and beyond. I was going to say, I think, uh, I think it's a good time to say that that's exactly what's going to happen because uh, <laughs> <laughs> initially it was legit. Like, we want to launch a Harry Potter podcast. We want to take a deep dive on our take on the, on the dark side of Harry Potter. And then... Uh, JK gate happened. I don't know what it's called in the community, but yeah, uh, she just, uh, yeah. so, uh, we, we, we had to ruin it for everyone. The hard breaks on it. Thanks, even, though, woman. even though we had some yeah. great content, uh, <laughs> our, 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 our analysis of the Malfoys is great. We didn't even get to do a Bellatrix episode. Unfortunately, we still can. Uh, I think, you know, our conversation kind of about separating the artist from the art, um, like, you know, I feel like these characters still had an impact on us. These stories still had, like, Harry most of my best, closest friends right now I've met because of the Harry Potter fan community. So Harry Potter's not going to be out of my life. J.K. Rowling, she can go. But <laughs> the, the art of Harry Potter, the experience of reading those books, the experience of, of watching those films and being part of this fandom, is gonna stick with me. I can't help it. It's tattooed on my body, so it, it ain't going nowhere. Yeah, and I, I mean, this isn't that podcast, but I I'll agree. just say too that I love J.K. Rowling. Her what's her impact? I don't love her personally. <laughs> her impact <laughs> for her impact on the theme park industry because she literally changed <laughs> it by demanding like such a high level of quality in the Wizarding World theme park lands. Completely mm-hmm. changed the whole landscape of one of my favorite things on earth. <laughs> and it's 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 like a hundred. Like, if you want to point at one person, it's her. <laughs> it's like I can't. It's hard to. <laughs> to hate on that because it's it's improved enriched my life so much the recent standards of theme park uh attractions and lands since the wizarding world open over the past 10 years wow it's been right. 10 years uh but <laughs> anyhow yeah so you're we're uh, wicked wizardry is going to return on this podcast feed taking a little bit deeper dive beyond harry potter but just a deeper dive in in uh in witchcraft itself <laughs> Which is all about it. Very interesting. (laughs) 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 Um, And um, what else do you do, Tanisha? Is that it? Uh, I I hand out. I hand out creepy kingdom business cards. There you go. <laughs> she writes as well. Anyway, that's what I was trying to teach. I, I cover a lot of the Disney stuff. Like I feel like whenever there's been sort of events going on at Disneyland, uh, I tend to cover quite a few of those events. So, yeah, so you know, yeah. that's our roots. Creepy Kingdom, of course. Yeah. Um, and we, I feel like we've stretched this podcast long enough. But I don't want it to end because I'm having a good time. But um, and anyone that's hung out this long, thanks for hanging out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the movie Cryptic podcast has been on hiatus as we're kind of reworking it. Not really sure. Is something behind me? Oh, nope. Sorry. <laughs> There's something behind me. Spooky light. Uh, it's my spooky light. Um, but we'll get things up and running and decide what direction to take all this fun stuff. But either way, keep hanging out with us. we got so much content coming. Uh, we even alluded to it. Whoa. 
I, I think I think that's a cue There's to ghosts and dogs. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. All right. On that note, we're out of here. This podcast has been a production of the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network. Executive produced by James H. Carter II and Ryan Grulick. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content. Patreon.com slash creepykingdom. Until next time, this is Hannah reminding you to keep it creepy. (laughs) 